Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. We are so grateful that you're here today. We are really passionate about um, you discovering your purpose and winning your world. And that's what we're here to do. We all are a part of a church called Faith Promise, and we just want to serve you no matter where you are in your journey with God. My name's Rachel. This is my husband, Zach, and our dear friend, Robbie. Professor Robbie. Professor Robbie. Almost Dr. Robbie. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to say that yet. We like talk about that in the beginning, but thank you. <laughs> you don't want to say that? You can't call yourself a doctor. They like make you sign a thing. You know, you are not we, officially. We have signed nothing. <laughs> okay, I didn't sign anything. You're almost, Dr. <laughs> almost Dr. Freeman. And today- uh, You're speaking prophetically. Yes, so, I am. Yeah, I'll receive that. <laughs> and um, we are continuing a conversation about truth. We're in an amazing series in our church And um, did God really say that? So you can go to our website, look on YouTube and watch some of the weekend sermons and get even more information about what we're talking through. And there is a tagline that we've been using consistently throughout the series. And And it's this statement that there is a truth you can trust and that truth is a person. Truth is founded on a person and grounded in a text. And we have unpacked over the last several weeks that that truth is a person, that person is Jesus. And Jesus is grounded in the text called the Bible. And today we're going to really just talk about one, to kind of wrap up our series, this idea about humanity. And this is a, a very, like there's a lot of conversation right now about humanity. And we just want to talk about what is human and what does the Bible say about being human? You know, how do we have this conversation with people around us who don't, who may not believe the Bible, may not know uh, or believe that God is real. So we kind of want to just begin that today with this question. What do Christians believe about what it means to be human? So just as a Christ follower, What's the Bible tell me to believe about being human? Hmm. So I think that the first couple of places that I would look at, I mean, super early on, like on page one of the Bible, like we see God and humans, right? And we see that God makes humans in his image. And there's kind of a a few different views about what people think that that means. Um, To me, I think, you know, I, I take what's called kind of like a vocational purpose to that. It means like that God said, hey, like I'm choosing that in my creation that you are going to be how I work in the world, right? Like you guys are not just in charge of the earth. Like when I work in the earth, it's typically going to be through humans. And ultimately, God himself would come in human form as Jesus, right? So I think that there's something special about that. So um, we can look at Genesis 1 through 3 and realize, hey, like humans were made with there's there's something unique there's something different there's something special about humans and we kind of take that for granted but that's not necessarily the default belief in our society anymore um is that there's something special and distinct about humans so we want to affirm that first the second thing that we learn from the early pages of genesis is that there's something broken in humanity too right that there's sin and that that is also like that's totally not part of the default beliefs that people have about humans anymore, right? Right. And so those, I think that from the beginning, like that, hey, we're made in God's image, like God designed us as unique in his creation, and at the same time that there's something broken about it. I think that that really resonates with people, but I think that that ultimately, like if you get to the heart of it, that's that's what we believe about humanity. Right. Well, and I think it's important to note in that same, the very beginning, 
we see God desiring relationship Mm -hmm. with humanity. Not only did he design us and he loved humanity and he didn't just, you know, set it down and say, okay, whatever, I made it cool and walk away. He came into the garden and walked with um, humanity, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there's this brokenness and it wasn't, um, and I think this, this is hard. Um, humans, we got to pick. God didn't just create us in his image, but he created us with a free will. Mm-hmm. Humanity gets to choose what its relationship with God is. Right. And um, we we chose and we continue to choose in our rebellion, some of us, um, brokenness in that relationship. And I just want us to to note, like you were created to be in relationship with God. Humanity was designed to be mm. in relationship with God. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the the question we're talking about today, like what does it mean to be human? It really is. There's so many things we want to talk about, whether it's something that we all potentially struggle with, like low self-esteem Potentially, like this question, God's view of this question affects that. But also you talk about all the things that really matter to the people we live life with, abortion, transgender, like homosexuality, a a lot of these things. Like when it comes to what does it mean to be human, uh, you have to, at some point, you have to pick, like, who sets that narrative for me? Mm -hmm. I think that's part of what we're talking about today. Who sets that narrative? Who Again, we talked talked about truth. We talked about Jesus. We talked about the Bible. Then you talk about human, which is like your outlook on on you know yourself and on people and and just on value. Because I think that's something that it seems as it's weird how the world will twist. Which goes back to the question I want to ask you, but it seems like the world will twist that like the like Christians they have less value for people. You right. Know? So like if a Christian doesn't if a Christian believes that abortion's wrong, then they have less value for that woman and her choice. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, you go back to the base of what you're saying that we believe that people are made in God's image. Like, I don't, I don't think that we were like over time evolved from you know, you know, monkey and or scum into that into into so all you this. Would say humanity is it. I just want to make sure we articulate it. Humanity is not just a happenstance, an accident. Humanity is a designed creation, and and yet, but th- now there are there are Christians who I respect, right? Very smart Christians who think that we got here by evolution, but it was still God's plan. Like it was still God's. He just used that. That's right. not that's, that's not like my opinion of it. But again, like just to. But that's why I just even regardless of how you get there, and you can uh, agree or disagree or, or maybe articulate it better. But it is God's humanity is unique set apart, designed by God. What you said is right. People, every single one of them, are intentional and on purpose, and and he designed them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if Uh, that's what the Bible says, then what does the— or you may have something else to add to that. No, I was just going to say that— but what you brought up was an important point because I think a lot of times when people hear us talking about truth and stuff like that, like we're going to— like there are— there's not just this tower that's built of all our beliefs. Okay, like a lot of people sometimes think like, oh, if you take one brick out, the whole thing right, will crumble down. Right. Like our beliefs are more like this table, like there's a stack of papers here in your phone and stuff like that, and different things are built on top of each other. There's like this foundation of beliefs that we have or truths that we accept. First, like let's just say as Christ followers, like we believe that 
the God is that God is triune, that the Bible is God's word, that Jesus was resurrected. Like these are just like that humans are sinful. These are like firm like things that are like undergird our stuff. But then there's also these other pockets, which we would call like important truths that we believe as a church, beliefs about marriage, beliefs about sexuality, beliefs about finances and careers and family and stuff that these are also like non-negotiable type things that we have. But then there's other things that we even have disagreement or differing opinions about within the church, within faith promise itself, where whether it's like somebody's beliefs about end times, whether you're like premillennial or postmillennial, or whether it's specific stuff like that about like, you know, like creation or evolution or the age of the earth, where there's room for us to have conversation and disagreement about and, and things like that that don't affect our ultimate view. But a lot of this stuff about what it means to be human are part of those beliefs that are really integral. And it comes back to like, hey, what does, you know, what does it mean to be human? And to us, like being made in God's image and us being sinful, like connects with like the core of who we are, you know? So what's the world? So if that's what the Bible says, what is the disagreement that we see coming from the world or things outside of the Bible? Yeah. So I think that it's actually like I kind of circumvent a lot of the questions that people have about like the specific origins of humanity, because even though that's like a topic of conversation, that's not really getting to the heart of what it is. I think what the heart of it is, is that today within the world, people want to either create their own identity or have to make their identity or have to work for their identity. Yeah. So um, just the you know if you look at the phenomenon of people like um uh using their own pronouns and things like that right, right? which is you know a, a controversial thing i suppose for some people but what's underneath of that is that people are uh, really finding their identity in that and then saying like hey i want you to this is how i want you to refer to me as and like having to work at that okay like there's a work that's involved in it and trying to like put this out there or people might find their, I mean, honestly, there are a lot of Christians today that find their identity and I'm an American, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a, you know, like this is what my identity is in. It's more so in being an American than it is in being a Christ follower. And so the biggest difference bar none that I see between what we would maybe call like the world's view of what it means to be human and what we view as it means to be human is that as Christ followers, we, we don't work for our identity. We receive it. Right? right, we receive our identity in Christ, and so that's the biggest difference to me between yeah. what the world portrays, which is that you have to create your identity and work towards it. We're saying as Christ followers, like we receive an identity in Christ. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. and that the identity you've been given is true. Yeah. yeah, there is nothing that can rival it. Right, right. And I love. I wish I knew off the top of my head. There's a couple of times in the. By where it talks, uh, not like David will reference it, and I think part of the two, like where we had this this hope and this identity that can't be shaken. Yeah, and I feel like we're just constantly shaken, mm-hmm. shaken into shaken into crazy stuff, like shaken into believing again, like being confu- gender dysphoria, which is for real. Like that's a real thing. People mm-hmm. people struggle with that, uh, but I mean that that is it's just so it feels so dangerous that that your identity could be shaken mm-hmm. to that level. I mean. Gosh, if, if it's that, then I mean, how many people struggle with like you talk about depression, anxiety, like that's it's it, it's just it's just a dangerous place when we get so far away from mm-hmm. like knowing that, like knowing our identity. It's on purpose, intentional. Like again, it's a pretty used verse, but that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, like I like I know the plans that has you says the Lord, plans to prosper you, 
and not to harm you, which again goes back if you didn't listen to last week, we talked about the Bible because I would tell you, and we'll move on from this, but again, part of like finding your identity, again, it's going to build on like what the Bible says about you because the Bible says a lot of stuff about us, you know? Uh, so either way, we, we won't jump back into that. He, but here's an interesting question because we're talking about things and I would even guess people watching this or listening to this podcast had disagreed with some of the things that we've said just in this first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So where is the line between loving people and telling people the truth um, about what we believe. Mm-hmm. Like, again, you talk about abortion or even, again, another one that, that's uh, it, that's divisive in a different way. You talk about, like, racism, mm-hmm. you know? Again, there's so many. Uh, again, God cares so much that we're united, but, like, our identity and how it manifests seems to be one of the biggest dividers. Mm-hmm. So how, how, do you, how do you have that loving conversation? What's the line between loving people but disagreeing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, to me, I think that that love is the barometer for all of that, right? Like what is like what does love require of me is is one way to say it. Um <clears throat> and that is uh you know, we like Paul says that, right? Mm-hmm. Like he says don't be a clanging gong, like it should all be like found through love and stuff like that. So as you're considering like how to respond, how you do respond, how you engage in that conversation about that, those things, like you're, you have to process it through that lens. Like what does love require of me? Do you know what I mean? And so that could mean in a situation where you are maybe processing with like a child who's experiencing some form of gender dysphoria or something. Like if you think about that question, like, hey, what does love require of me in this situation? It might be to tell them, hey, like I that that's what you're feeling is not is not the reality about you. So it might be pushing up against it. If it's somebody that you don't have a relationship with it at all it might look like accepting them first, which is really hard for a lot because we just want to tell people what our truth is, right? But it might actually look like accepting them first and then finding if, and then like, that's what love requires of you at that time. But then, you know, ultimately love is going to require at some level for you to be able to speak that truth into their life in some way. Um, But I think it's important to process it in that way. 100%. I think everybody listening should stop. And actually, let's just ask ourselves that question. Just say it out loud. Like what... What does love require for you? What does love require from you? What's what's harder? So you broke it down into two. I know it's not that simple. Sure. But I think I think there's just as many people who struggle with love requires me to disagree. Yeah. I think I think there's probably now that we're a lot of people are so undiscipled and potentially even biblically illiterate or uneducated that it's much easier just when love requires for me to say, Hey, I'm so sorry, but I disagree. I love you, but I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think that more people have trouble with that than again. I just think there's not a whole lot of people who can articulate their views well enough to to pound them. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think we start first with, "Hey, I love God first, and mm-hmm. loving God requires that I know His Word, that I know Him, I know His nature, that I learn Him, and then move into loving people." And so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for a lack of knowledge that people perish, you know, and um, I think part of why we can't even begin to have those conversations is because we don't know where to disagree mm-hmm. and not disagree because we True. haven't, we have not done our due diligence to love and honor the Lord. And he's asked us to to know the word and to, and to be in intimate relationship with him mm-hmm. and operate in obedience by what the Holy Spirit asks for in the moment. And 
I think it's fair to say sometimes we disagree with God. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I am not the God of the universe. I did not design humanity. And so I do not have the right to tell humanity how to operate. God was the designer. And so really, like when I'm searching for trying to create my own identity, I'm trying to be God in that moment. And so I may, there are some times where you might disagree with God. And I think that's okay. Remember his word, he is um, broad enough, strong enough to handle your disagreements, your questions, your frustrations, but to slow down enough and love the Lord, be patient mm-hmm. and and be still enough to listen and hear from him. I just think that that's fair for us to say, you know, yes, all things in love and in love, we disagree. Sometimes in love, we agree. Sometimes in love, we accept, but we need to start first with our relationship with God and mm-hmm. the truth that he made me Right. He made all of humanity. That gives him the right to tell me how how to operate and live. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really, really hard thing for us to receive, especially as Americans. We I get to do what I want, when I want, how I want, and 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 just our rebellious fleshly nature. Like that's how we want to operate. Mm-hmm. I just want. I think it's fair for us to to note that there are moments where we disagree with God. And we need to love him enough to let him give us his side. Yeah. And I actually just, the Bible has something just to say about this. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd love That's to, good. I'd love to know like your thoughts on this part, but in, you know, in second Corinthians four, four, and this again, going back to the last, going back to the last uh, podcast, there's some things about the Bible that are hard Mm -hmm. Um, and not just hard to understand, you know, but there's things that are hard just to grasp because grasp because we, we know that we know that God is love either way. So, but this, this passage in second Corinthians four, four, it says the God, the little G O D of this age. So the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And so first of all, again, when Jesus came, he came in the form of a man. So again, another highlight back there from Genesis 1 that, you know, Jesus, us, we're made the image of God. But it says the devil of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. And part, again, part of the gospel we talked about in, in the second installment of this series or whatever, that Jesus is is the son of man you know he resurrected you know he he offers us eternal life through that sacrifice but how 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 are we seeing that now like biblically we say the the devil or the little geo to the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers right so in unbelievable people who don't see totally. humans is creating god's yeah. image so what's that look like like how how are they I, being blind does that make sense I mean the first thing that I think about when I read that though is like man how misdirected is our anger when we get mad at other people for Come this on. stuff so good right like right, totally like we're mad at people because they don't believe the things that we believe about this but they've been blinded yeah you know what I mean so to me that's like our role as yeah. Christ followers is to you know through the power of the Holy Spirit to help r- remove those scales yeah. from their eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think if we, gosh, like that just changes the way that people approach so many of these topics in the conversation, right? Because so much of our frustration is directed at people, but now, when we see it from that perspective, and Paul talks about it other places, he's like brokenhearted for it. Totally. You know, he's like, man, I wish that they could see this truth. Yeah, you know? he's so. a, he's in anguish in Romans. Romans 9, 1 through 3, and he'd say give up his place if they could see themselves, you know, 
as 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 God sees them. And so and I think this goes mm-hmm. back. I think we've mentioned it every time. You know, we all have these things we're asking God for. You know, an apologetic ministry that builds equips the, the saints. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a prophetic ministry that equips the saints. I want to have an apostolic ministry that equips the saints to do what He's called them to do. But I think that whenever it comes to like human beings and mm-hmm. and <laughs> I just think this is so I, I think we all want like a two plus two is four answer right to some of these things. But I think one of the one of the most and maybe I know like in the where you'd have to categorize would be anecdotal evidence, but like our life. Mm-hmm. Like our life is different. Like there should be a difference in the life of a believer who sees themselves and others as as you know, sons and daughters of God, as like like you said, intentional creations from God, as somebody who sees us as amoebas that grew tails, and then you know, then those tails fell off, and all that kind of stuff like that. Like there should be a difference in how not only we live and see ourselves, but how we you know see others. You mm-hmm. know, well, and we can't discount the work of the Holy Spirit, and I think that is something that we forget when we're having these conversations, when we're thinking through these things. You did not come to God because you just said, "I love God now." Mm-hmm. Like He loved you first, mm-hmm. and then He drew you unto Himself. It was His kindness that led you to repentance. It was not like, yes, you have free will, but it wasn't like your idea. And we have to remember that the Holy Spirit, God will draw people unto himself. Like how often are we asking God, are we asking, like, you know, I want you watch, um, you know, um, Lot be rescued because there was, um, there was pleading on his behalf to, for him to be rescued in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so I just want us to like think through like, hey, am I begging God to open their eyes that they would have an experience with him that they would be they would see his kindness that so they would experience so they could turn from the way they understand the world now to the understanding like the fullness of Christ yeah. and I I think that sometimes we get a little well if I just had all the right answers and if I could just say the right, right things you can say all the right things at all the right times and unless God reveals himself to that person yeah. you know this it is not just about you and I want to just make sure that we have you serve a sovereign, incredibly large, complex, beautiful God that you cannot understand his ways. His ways are not like our ways. And when you said we want a two plus two equals four experience, that that is not how God operates. Yeah. Nowhere in the word do you read two plus two equals four. Oh, my, no. my salvation is not two plus two equals four. No, completely not. And the funny thing is, is I have won a lot of debates and proved a lot of people wrong that did not lead to a salvation right. or lead to someone, you know, giving their life to Jesus. So you're right. The two plus two doesn't always equal four, just the way that people experience life and beliefs. Like we don't just want to win an argument. Like we want someone to follow Jesus. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, I, I will more question for you, Yeah. but, um, it, it just to, to couch this, I, I, something that bothers me so much is, when the thought that like Christianity, the Bible, God, and and believers that we have that we shame people mm-hmm. that like there's like this there's this there's this consistent like negative outlook on others and stuff like that. What does Christianity? What does the Bible have to say? Like the narrative of how how positive it is about people. 
about mankind. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think, and that's the story that we really should be telling more. To- yes, know? yes. Um, like to me, my my favorite psalm is Psalm eight, where he talks about like the psalmist is basically looking at the sky, like just reflecting on like how crazy like the creation is, and then he says, "It's a pretty famous verse. You'll recognize it when I say it." It's when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So like that there, it's uh, it's it uses the son of man, which we kind of associate with Jesus, but he's talking about just humans. He's like talking about himself. He's like, what is how is it that you created this entire vast cosmos, but you care about me as an individual person? So to me, that's like the number one most important best thing from the Bible is like that you know, God loves you, like he cares about you, he has a purpose for you, um, like you're forgiven. Romans 8 is the best news ever. You know, there's no condemnation. Like how much do people need to hear that nowadays, yes. right? Yeah. That you, you're not condemned, you right. know what I mean? Totally. Like you, God forgives you for your sins if you go to him. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Bible also tells other stories that resonate with people today. Like you're not alone, you know, right. like so many people just feel alone. And part of the message of the Bible is not just that God's with you, but there's a community of people with you, like Mm -hmm. other Christ followers are with you. But there's even um, like other things that are just within just the fabric of the Bible. Like, hey, like you can have spiritual health. You can have um, like there's a purpose in your vocation. You can have mental wellness. Um, You know, there's just this desire that people have that their human experience on life is meaningful. Yeah. And to me, that's like the most important apologetic argument that you can have about Christianity. Right. And that's what people want to know. They want to know, does my life have a meaning? Do I have a purpose? Right. Um, Like, you know, what is that? And so yeah. to me, I think that's the best message of Christianity. That's right. You know? And again, like, like we said, like our, like what you said, you're getting your PhD in apologetics. And I, one of the first things you said is the, the best evidence you've written countless books, you've written all these papers, but there's not a better evidence than a life lived with love and power. Right. You know? And so just as, as we wrap up the past that comes to mind, I want to share is, uh, it's it's First Corinthians six and it's nineteen and twenty, and it says it says that that we our body is a temple of the Holy. Spirit. Actually, Paul says, "Do you not know?" Which mm-hmm. is so to me because I don't live like it a lot of time. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which God gave you? And then verse twenty, for you are bought with a price. Mm-hmm. Live like it. Mm-hmm. And so, I, if I could just, and we've talked about a lot of stuff here, but if I could just give a challenge to us and the believers watching. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, and your life was bought with a, a price with Jesus. So live like it. And I mean, again, like you keep on using the word, and it's not just because it's who we are, but it's purpose. It's purpose. People want that. Mm-hmm. And us living a life of purpose will will lead to us winning the world around us. And something you said um, about just just the passion in your voice came out about what we believe about ourselves, about other people, mm-hmm. and it brought my mind just to Ezra ten. Uh, Ezra 10 verse 1 and it, he's praying for the people and it says he's weeping he, he, he's weeping he's crying and one other thing but he says he's throwing himself down before the Lord and the only reason he's doing that is because the people are living in sin and he sees them as people who there's more for them and it's just is that what we see in people we wouldn't need 
an argument for the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. He was all God and all man. If we looked at people and saw them as sons and daughters, and we were willing, because he threw himself down, and the people watching, they started to weep bitterly as they realized what real love for them and their purpose looked like. Yeah, and so we we love you, and this we we so enjoyed this this series on truth, on the Bible, on Jesus, and on what does it mean to be human. And I I just I just hope that through this we're all a little more aligned with what God has to say. But I really hope we're challenged to live with our purpose to win our world. Because uh, what does it mean to be human? It means there's an eternal destiny, mm. heaven or hell. Matthew twenty five, a separation, and we got to live like it. So we love you. We're proud of you. Hey, Robbie, we're super grateful for you. Loved it. Spending it time. We're going to keep on keep on doing these. But we love you. Hey, you have a purpose that God has equipped you with. So we, we ask you, go out and win your world this week.